How are we doing, guys? Uh, we are back for another season, starting off the 2024 year with the Strictly Football uh, podcast. Uh, today we are missing our our one one of our own uh, who maybe maybe absent for a little bit, but he sure will make his uh, long-awaited return uh, down the weeks um, and. Well, it just feels good to be back, guys. Um, we we're, we're trying out new new things. We we did take a, a long hiatus, but you know what? I think just by looking at it now, I feel like we feel refreshed. We feel ready to start things off again, and you know, see how see how things flow this year. I think we 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 did talk offline. We we talked whether what we could do, what we could change, and I think. Today is our first run at a at a new format for our product, and I hope that that you guys like it. Um, and without further ado, um, introduce the members that are here today. So, Adia, how you doing, man? Yo, I I'm pretty good. I'm I'm a little uh, under the weather, I guess you would say. I'm not. I'm not. I feel like I'm not. I'm not like at a maybe seventy percent. I feel good, but I could feel myself like about to get sick. It's raining over here in the Bay Area, so we're we're based out of the Bay, uh, in San, like at least me, I'm in San Francisco, and like this has been raining hella much, and I decided to get some new boots, some Croc Jeez. boots, you know, really loud yellow boots, you know, and uh, they look cool, but they've been letting water get into my my foot, like you know, so my shit has been getting hella wet and. And uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you know, I feel like that. I feel like I got. I'm getting a little, a little sick. I got I'm a little congested. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but that's where, that's where I'm at right now. But overall, pretty good. No team of the year, by the way, in my FIFA. So only the goalie. So that's another. It's another thing, soccer related. Jeez, man. Down. Uh, how you doing, Irving? How you doing? Uh, brother i'm doing pretty good i feel refreshed i feel ready to get this thing going and talk about football you know i feel like over the break there's been stuff going on that i just like oh you want to talk about but you know there's still a lot going on right now and yeah i feel good i'm chilling that's good that's good man and i feel like that's the beauty of of the sport that we love and what we do um and and i think this is one of the like offline like through this whole time like we still stayed in touch and every every week there was something to talk about there was a headline that we missed or there was something that we were just waiting to get our hands on so so that's the good part about it and i feel like when when we talked about coming back um it just kind of was like yeah man we're, we're always gonna have something to talk about um so, so that's the good thing about that and well you know let's get let's get going with our podcast um so just to give you guys a, a rundown of how we are going to do things, um, starting with this episode, um, to, to begin with, we are keeping our Tarjeta Roja segment. I think that's one of our segments that that I think we enjoy the most, and we enjoy starting off with that. Um, in terms of the headlines, we will talk about uh, coaches. We'll talk about Xavi. We'll talk about Julian Klopp, and we'll see You know how we end up. In that conversation, we do have a question of the day, uh, as curated by Irving. 
Um, and after that, you know, we will have a debate, which is our new format that we are implementing this season. And we'll find it off with our quiniela. Um, and that'll be the wrap for this week's podcast. So on to headline number... Well, actually, for the headline, sorry. The Tarjeta Roja segment of the week. Um, sorry, my, I, do- my dog is just like having a field day back here. <laughs> I just got to be just up, up front. If you hear some weird noises in the back, some licking and some stuff, just know that it's my dog. Okay. <laughs> Not Ariel. <laughs> it's not me. It's not me. I'm not. I'm not licking myself, and I'm not uh, doing some other shit that this dog does. Bless his soul. Even though we've known to be a very exotic uh, crew when we come play pro clubs, so don't don't think wrong of us. It's just yeah, there's it's a lot just of eroticism that happens yeah. when we play pro clubs. I don't know what happens, but you know, there's something that just clicks about the eroticism here. It, it's just it's just our nature. Uh, but anyways, all right. Tarjeta Roja for this week. Um, I'll open the floor for either one of you guys to start off and give me what you guys think. Uh, who deserves a Tarjeta Roja? Um, so, have at it. All right, I could go first. Uh, person that comes to mind is Anthony. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my boy, my boy finally scored, and uh, and he played against. Uh, I want to say what is it, a third division team, or what was it, uh, or a fourth mm-hmm. division team? A team that was not it's not in the Premier League. I want to say they're not in the second division, uh, but they essentially like you know they just like whooped their ass. But Anthony scored, and his celebration has been you know been going around a little bit, you know, and become a little bit of a meme, uh, just because he he acted like you know he just scored against you know like he just won the World Cup, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I got to give it to him. There's a level of like delusion that happens there. I mean, I'm, on one end, I'm I'm happy for him because he scored, but then on the other end, I'm like, yeah, let, let's keep it in perspective. You know, let's keep it moving. Let's do a simple celebration. You know, and, and there's a lot of celebration red cards that could happen too. Mape did another one too, where where uh, where him and James Madison got into it. So celebrations, I think, I, I think can just get a, a, a red card. I thought hit that roja of the week for me. Yeah, man, don't, don't just can't let the man have his fun, man. No, no. Can't let the I mean, man enjoy his first. I mean, he's trying to like start a, like a like a Bible circle, you know, like <laughs> to the goal. Like he's like, man, brothers and sisters, I scored a goal. <laughs> Oh man! All right, uh, Irving, what's your tarjeta roja this week, man? I kind of have two, but I'm gonna just go with the, I guess a more broad, like a more well-known one, probably that maybe some people agree with. But my tarjeta roja is going to Inter Miami this week. I feel like um, they just they just started, so they started the preseason. I want to say a week and a half ago, um, and they started against uh, La Selecta El Salvador. <laughs> and you know, surprisingly, La Selecta, La Selecta came out with the tie, and I think ever since then, uh, Inter Miami has just not been playing well. They played FC Dallas, they lost. Uh, they played Al Hilal, uh, Neymar's team, they lost. They played Al Nassar, uh, which is Ronaldo's team, which is uh, which they lost six zero two, uh, just recently today. And I feel like for a team that is very hyped around some 38-year-olds with Luis Suarez, Busquets, uh, Jordi Alba, and, of course, Messi. They're just not performing. Again, it is a preseason, and, you know, during the season, anything can happen. 
But to me, this this defeat against Al Nassar is just, I think, embarrassing in my opinion, especially for the MLS because you know I think uh, it was a very like huge topic when Messi joined Inter Miami, comparing the Saudi league and the MLS because Ronaldo was in the Saudi league and you know debating which is the retirement home basically. And I don't know if this says anything, but I definitely think that it paints a bad picture for the MLS, in my opinion. And Ronaldo didn't play, so that's one thing. And Messi came in as a sub in like the 80th minute when they were 6-0 down. <laughs> so that's my tarjeta. Oh, man. Talk about a cash grab, dude. Like all, all these games that Inter Miami has played, like it's more about making money than actually seeing its actual players. But it, it does give a bad image. To the if, if the MLS is trying to compete, but then again, you got you do have 38 out 38 year olds out there, you know, just <laughs> feeling young, feeling young, <laughs> feeling young, <laughs> feeling like they still got it, you know. It's like, you know, you, you know, how many pain injections have traveled across the, the world just uh, just for Luis, <laughs> just for Luis Suarez <laughs> to continue to play. <laughs> he says he's not on that anymore, by the way. But uh, I, don't him. I don't believe him. I don't believe him, dog. He's looking a little slow out there. Uh, uh, but right, 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 full, right, full deserving tarjeta roja. Um, and and for me, for my tarjeta roja, in, in staying in the Manchester United uh, a pool of players, uh, I'm going to give it to Marcus Rashford. Um, not because he did anything wrong. He probably did something I would have done too. But but this man went out nightclubbing on Sunday, and he he was seen out to like very late in the day, or le- very late in the night into the next day, and on Monday instead of actually reporting for practice like you normally do, uh, he called out sick. <laughs> so I don't I don't blame. I probably would have done the same thing. That's hangovers are hangovers, man. But. <laughs> But when you're, I mean, when when you got responsibilities, when when you want to be the guy, um, that that's kind of like uncalled for, and especially when you're a high profile player like you are, like Rashford. Uh, so it, it wasn't a good look. Uh, I think somehow like they ended up fixing it. The Ten Hag, his agent, and Rashford all met up, kind of like water under the bridge. But still, man, like come on, like. You want to be the guy? You got to show some more professionalism, at least when you're gonna play. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, he didn't do. He didn't. At least he didn't do the Ronaldinho treatment. You know, there was the story that's circulating around where he, where Ronaldinho showed up to practice and he was just he was still he had just came straight from the club and Allegri was <laughs> like, "We got to get this dude out of here. <laughs> we got to get this man out of here." I I did actually. You're right. I did I did see that and I thought. Reminded me of the goal movie where like Gavin Harris is uh is drunk and like he gets a cab and he runs into Santiago and Santiago is like leaving to go to Mexico. I don't know if you guys remember that part. Mm-hmm. But it's the same thing. He was out clubbing and he just like goes straight into the training ground and somehow he saves this young Mexican kid's dream of continuing to play for Newcastle. Um but hey man, it's okay to have fun. You just gotta be responsible. Hold yourself yeah. accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, those are the Tarjeta Rojas segments, or those are the Tarjeta Rojas of the week. Um, and we can now move on to our one headline for this week. And 
Over the weekend, uh, we heard the news of two coaches leaving, and I believe they are both in two different spectrums of like what it is to be a coach. Uh, Jurgen Klopp announced that he would be leaving Liverpool at the end of the season. And across in Spain, um, Xavi announced after losing 5-3 to three to Villarreal that he would be leaving, he would be stepping aside from Barcelona um, at the end of the season. So to that, to you guys, I mean, the question that we have with the headline for this, it's like, what will their tenures as coaches be remembered for? And do either one of them have a future? I think we know the answer to, but who, what can you expect about these two uh, coaches that are now departing their, their current clubs? Mm-hmm. You want to take it to me? You want me to go? Uh, yeah, I, I can start. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like for, for Jurgen, you're right. Uh, they're both on different ends of the spectrum. I think for Jurgen Klopp, he's leaving as a legend for Liverpool. He gave him a Champions League title. He won him a Premier League. Um, he's basically what Liverpool needed, I think, when he got there to like elevate their game. I mean, just look at the players that he was able to get and the players he called for. Like, you have Salah, you have Mane, you have. Uh, players like Roberto Firmino, who was still there, and he was uh, able to elevate him. Uh, he signed Van Dijk, arguably one of the best defenders uh, in recent times. So I think Jurgen Klopp is just leaving as a legend for Liverpool. Um, he cemented his legacy there. It is definitely sad to see for Liverpool fans for him to leave. I mean, it, it came unexpected. You know, I think we all woke up to the news, or at least I woke up to the news, like, oh, he's leaving, like. Uh, it's definitely something I didn't see coming, and I, I don't think other people saw coming. So, yeah, I mean, it's it'll be interesting to see where where uh, Liverpool goes from here. Um, they have the players still, in my opinion. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're still top of the group or top of the league, sorry. And so it'll just be interesting to, to see where where they go from here. And as in terms of Jurgen Klopp, I definitely think he has a future. I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't. Maybe not recent, because I know one of the reasons he said he just wants to take some personal time off, right? Um, but maybe I could see him coaching a Germany, right? They haven't been great over these past couple years. Um, I mean, I mean, if Barca can afford it, I'm sure they'd love to have him. <laughs> uh, and then that that that's a good segue into Xavi. I, I think it's uh, unfortunate, really, because I recall. If you go to our social media, go on Instagram, TikTok, one of our reels was about Barcelona when they won the title last year. And at Strictly Football 21, you can see it. But uh, I'm pretty sure Ariel said that that championship was going to elevate Xavi to the next level and to the next, like, being an elite coach. And, yeah, it just (laughs) hasn't turned out to be so well for him. But in my opinion, I still think he, he had Barcelona playing well. I just don't think it's his fault. I feel like Barcelona is just not in a good state right now, and they're just in a bad place money-wise. They don't have an identity anymore. Like, they're just not the same Barcelona of old, I think. And he just became, like, the scapegoat, I guess, in my opinion. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I can go now. I mean, I, I, it's interesting to, to, to think about the two spectrums uh, – I mean, I think like one obviously is a more seasoned coach in club, and then one is a more young coach, right? And Xavi, 
uh, and they're going through different uh, tribulations really about about how they go. And so then their departures, I think, have different different uh, reactions. You know, I remember I, when I saw Kalop's thing, I also, too, was like, oh, man, this is kind of it's kind of sad, <laughs> even in the way the video was uh, was portrayed. It's just um, it, it just felt really sentimental. And I know that Kalop has a thing where he just kind of stays at clubs for seven years. That's been that's kind of been his thing. And I want to say at Liverpool, he stayed for eight uh so on that end i think club leaves behind this sense of relevance for liverpool i think before club got there liverpool were not as relevant before he got there and then once he got there there was this elevation of of status you know because i i mean we can say that they brought in salah and van dyke and all this stuff but they didn't know who those players were going to become and that's the difference i think with with club is club Klopp was able to develop these players into superstars, into stars of the game that were like, man, these are like top level players. And and that all happened under him. You know what I'm saying? Like he he elevated not only the 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 team and status, but also the players. You know, the players seem to really gravitate towards him. Uh, there's always like this thing about like, oh, Klopp like hugs his players. And and there's like this camaraderie that that he creates. And, and so I think he leaves uh, with this sense of. Uh, of unity with the team and, and, and becoming like this identity for Liverpool. And it's going to be interesting to see what Liverpool's identity is after him, because, and I think that that is one of the things that I'm interested in to see is what, what occurs after a coach like that leaves, because I have one example, which is Manchester United, where you have a coach like that, that can understand players, gets players, develops players. And then he leaves in Sir Alex Ferguson. And then there's this big rupture. And I'm wondering if that's going to be the same for Liverpool. Is that going to be the destiny for Liverpool? Uh, and I don't know because <clears throat> I don't know who can run Liverpool for the last eight years. I think he was there for eight years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the last eight years, you know, we're so used to seeing Klopp there. And 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 one of the things that I'll always, I think his legacy, while he's going to be a, a, a legend in, in, in his own right, what what I think he's going to be remembered for is that he competed with arguably one of the most like juiced up Premier Premier League teams in Manchester City. And he was able to keep up with that team and he beat them one time. You know what I'm saying? He beat them and he won a Champions League, even though it's arguably the worst Champions League final we've ever seen. <laughs> he won one, you know what I'm saying? For Liverpool, with Liverpool. So I think he leaves... I think accomplished. I think someone that deserves a break. And I I am interested to see if he does take the Germany job, which I think he should take the Germany job, that I think Germany is going to become a much, much, much better team than they are right now. Because, again, he's developing players. And he didn't bring in these players knowing that they're stars. And that's one thing that I've always appreciated about him is that he doesn't really bring stars to the teams. He brings kind of these low-budget players, and he kind of elevates them. So he's a developer. So I, so I, I appreciate that about him. So I, I don't know. I'm excited to see what he does, and it's also sad to see because now it feels like Man City's going to kind of have uh, just straight shot, you know, to, to win the league now. So on that end. And then for Xavi, for me, I, I, I feel bad for Xavi, and I think that I don't know if this is on purpose that Barcelona has – kind of put him in a spot but but I think his legacy there is going to be 
this this sad part about Barcelona's downfall in in the way that they're handling the club because you have a club legend like Xavi come back and he brings back that identity that they so desperately needed after Kike Santiang and and fucking Komen and and these these managers that while there may be good coaches, they didn't have the identity that Barcelona had that we're used to, especially within the last couple of years. And then Xavi kind of brings it back and is expecting the players to play tiki-taka and, and all that stuff. And, and football has kind of changed from then, right, from tiki-taka. So there's that aspect of it. But but Xavi comes in and he gives them an identity and they win the league. And, and, and I think what his legacy is going to be is the – hyper like there's this hyper uh like i don't want to say correcting but like a hyper like uh i don't know like uh attack on on spanish in, in spanish media i think one of the reasons that he's leaving is because of the spanish media you know what i'm saying like it's not like he's at the bottom of the table you know sure he lost against valencia whatever we should be celebrating that a team like that beat them you know what i'm saying like that there is some sort of competition there uh, that there is like they can't just run through it, but Spain is such in a bad place in regards to football in the way that racism is taking over and the way that they're treating their coaches. And I think Xavi is is one of the victims of that. I think he he is at the at the core and at the spotlight of of one of the big teams in Spain and in the Spanish media were unrele- like relentless, you know, against him in regards to the way that they portrayed him. And I think you really saw that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I see him, and I'm like, he's one of my favorite players. But my boy looks stressed out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he looks stressed out. And, like, I, I I don't think that any any coach should feel under that much scrutiny for whatever reason. Because it's because the thing that speaks to me is that players have come out and, set, and are, are coming out and defending him. So it almost feels like the players don't want him to leave. And I don't know if y'all have seen that as well. But – but I've seen players have come out and, and said like Xavi's, you know, great. And there's some people crying about, you know, about that. And and uh, so it's sentimental in two different ways. You know what I'm saying? One is an established legacy and one is like we can see what we can do, but we're not really being allowed to actually have the patience to develop that. And I think Xavi is 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 becoming a, a victim of that. And and I hope Xavi does well. I, I think I think he's going to be, me personally, I still stand by that. I think he can still be an elite coach. Because if you saw him play and you saw in the way that he got this team to the way that he was, um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's much different to where it was. Man, that's, uh, that's powerful, man. I felt that man. I almost wanted to get on Shavi's side again, dude. But I'm <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I feel like you brought up the I, I had completely forgotten that Klopp won a Champions League with Liverpool, dude. Shit. Yeah. That, shit that shit blew past me, man. <laughs> we forget because Man City has dominated yeah. for yeah, such yeah. a long this this last like 10 years, it feels like Man City has dominated. And Klopp is the one coach that has been able to fight against back against pep and now it's like what the fuck's gonna happen in the premier league that's i know and i think pep they interviewed pep and he said what is club to you and he's like he's my greatest rival mm-hmm. you could, and it's true you could, you could see that um but yeah i, I think to to with, with Klopp, it's like he is a player coach yeah and 
it i mean the psychology nowadays with with football players has changed so much that it's like now like you need a player coach right you need a you need somebody that can like it's not just about talent it's not just about what you can do on the field but like what you can also do outside the field and i think glob is the perfect example of a guy that can be your coach when it comes to 90 minutes and outside in the training ground or in your personal life he can be your friend right he can be your friend he can be a mentor he can be somebody you look up to and i think you get that feeling from all these players that that you name or that we talked about that have come up under liverpool with him um and, and it and it speaks highly of a player of a of a coach like club you know that you can in today's football you can be able to do that and you can be able to get people to like be behind your idea and and what what it means to play or like play your way kind of thing so so I, do, I didn't, and even before this, like I've always been a, a big fan of Klopp, even when he was at Dortmund. And at Dortmund, he he went toe to toe with Bayern Munich too, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like he's always been that guy. He's always, I wouldn't say he's been the the underdog coach, but he's always been that guy that would not back down from a fight or would not back down from the challenge to compete and be that other option, you know, when it comes to like you know the big clubs or like the competition between the leagues. Um, so, so it is interesting that, that he is leaving, um, and, and what the future holds for Liverpool. Um, for sure. I think we've, we've already seen that there's some of his players or the players that he ended up, you know, fostering or like mentoring and seasoned, like they are also like almost out of contract. So it'll be interesting to see like if those players, if that core that he built stays or if like Liverpool just kind of hits the reset button um and just kind of starts all over um i know that you know the example with like when alex ferguson left like that manu team just has not been the same ever since mm-hmm. um it could be the case with liverpool that they just they won't be the same team again and it might take years for them to like again get it together um but i think this news and and the fact that right now um liverpool i mean they just beat chelsea 4-1 um he, this is like the perfect. It's setting up the perfect setting or the perfect agenda for, for club to walk out, you know, held high and like literally be cemented as one of Liverpool's greats, you know. Um, and on the other hand, with Xavi, um, I think being scapegoated, I I, I can see that to an extent. Um. It's just a bad time to be a Barcelona coach. And whoever takes over that role, it's just he's just going to fall where Xavi is. Right? It's not like, you know, he's going to have a better team to, to play with. He's not going to have money to get players. I, I was reading that, you know, Xavi was – he wanted players, you know, at the start of the season – he went to um, La Porta and then, hey, can you get me a player that plays like this? You know, can you, you know, something that falls in line with this philosophy. And La Porta was like, yo, like, dog, we, we don't have money. Like, all we can get you is a loan Cancelo, a loan Joao Felix. If you want, you know, if you can turn those players around to, to play like you want to play, you know, they're yours. But other than that, we, we can't buy players. And, and it just kind of like, it, it may, 
maybe I'm not seeing it right now and I'm not I'm not seeing it clearly, but I think in the long run, if Shabby does end up going to a different team and he's successful or he does good, it may just be a thing of like a right, you know, right coach, wrong time scenario for Shabby. Or like he just ended up coming back. He ended up coming back because he wanted to save his team. He want he felt the colors, he felt the DNA. Um, but he was just he just came back in the wrong time. You know, in a time when like Barcelona is not doing good, who knows if they're gonna like pick it up? Uh, the players like there's players that do defend them that do believe in that mentality, and I feel like there's other players that just can't play like that, just can't play tiki taka, just can't be, you know, can't meet up to the expectations that that a play uh, a coach like Xavi would have. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, I feel like you know. It, in the long run, not right now, uh, but in the long run, I feel like it's going to come down to like a, he, he was the right coach for the job. He was just stuck with bad luck in the wrong time. And and unlike with Klopp, where like I forgot that he won a Champions League and that was just like, I was like, well, well you know, with Xavi, like we're just going to forget that he actually did win La Liga. And we'll look back and we'll just like put him in like the same position of like a Ronald, you know, a Kuman or a Kikestien, or like the guy that, or Valverde kind of thing. Um, and he might just fall into the cracks. And and, and it is a shame on that, because I think as a player, Xavi gave Barca the best years of his life. And it sucks that he couldn't replicate it um, on the coaching side. Mm-hmm. Um, but Irving, would you like to add something else? I know, I know we, we had you short. Um, no. I mean, no. I don't have anything to add. <clears throat> so if, if if it doesn't work out for club, Pumas is always hiring. You know. There you go. <laughs> Xavi, Xavi's next. You heard it here first. Xavi's Xavi yeah. and club are gonna go to the Liga Mackies. They're in talks now. Yeah. <laughs> I I I do wonder where Xavi will go next. I don't know if y'all have any predictions of where 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 would be a good fit for Xavi because I still think there's a really good coach in there me personally but this might be because I'm biased I'm being I I can I can really resonate with Xavi I mean I I I you know I I can really resonate with him in some some aspects so I mean one of the questions I think when that I told I asked myself when we were kind of drafting for this week um and, and I Think, I mean, for Xavi, he was really in just in one team his whole life. But it's like, what's the likelihood of Xavi becoming another story of a great player on the field turn mm-hmm. into a bad coach in his in his post football career? Because we've seen a lot of those now. Yeah, especially and from it, our era, dude. Yeah, like, exactly. We're, we're, we're busting out horrible coaches. Like Rooney, I could, the go- <laughs> Rooney, Rooney, Henri, Vieira. I mean, Vieira's kind of he's picking it up right now, but like Vieira wasn't all that great. Um, Cliver, Cliver, yeah, Patrick Cliver. Cliver. Mm-hmm. So it's like where I mean, and it may just be like he didn't have enough time. But where is he? Like, is he borderline? Like, maybe that guy, or can he like be the one guy that like the outcast that doesn't? Um, turn into those those other names that we mentioned. I mean, it's also a different time, though, right? Because it's like those coaches that we're talking about, like we grew up, at least I'll speak for myself, I grew up watching Henry 
Vieira, Xavi, Xavi Alonso now. Like, I grew up watching them, so I have a connection to them. So I will follow them in where they go, right? I can understand. I can I can see that, like, where they are. But when I think about really good coaches, like, I'm thinking about club. I'm thinking about Guardiola. Guardiola wasn't, like, when I think about his football career, like, it's not like this crazy-ass thing, right? Like, it's not like he was this animal out there. Like, I mean, I'm sure he was hella good, but like, and even Arteta, I would say, I would even throw that in there. Like, it's not like they were standout players, but these players that we're talking about now that are becoming coaches, it's like we, like Rooney, like we knew what they did and what they, what they were and what they did. So there's almost like this expectation. So on that end, I'm like, it's, it's also a different era of coaching, if that makes any sense. Like I was just watching a, a reel earlier today where I was like, it was showing like uh, uh, players, like as co- like the coaches that are now coaches as players, and like Allegri was in there, and I'm like, I didn't even know Allegri played. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't even know he was a professional player. So you know what I'm saying? Like, or even Unai Emery, I'm like, he played professionally. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I but I just know him as a good coach. The difference is, is now is like I know that these players are really good. And I don't know if they're going to be good coaches. And it may be one of those things where maybe they'll be really good coaches in like 15 years. True. Mm-hmm. So we, we are starting to see like a lot more younger coaches too. So yeah, th- there's more more room for longevity and and chances to pick to get on the ship. Unless you're Wayne Rooney, then that, that's all. Different. I think my boy <laughs> needs to call it quits and just call yeah. it a day. It's a sad story, really. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, all right, we'll, we'll transition away from this. Um, and, and I believe uh, Irving has a has a segment for us that that we're gonna we're gonna be talking about. So so I'm gonna hand it over to him and have him explain to us what what we're doing this this week. And one thing too, Sam Sam does say in the chat that uh, De Rossi looks like he might be a good coach. Just throwing that out there, hmm. maybe. Oh, speaking of De Rossi, man. Uh, Catuso wasn't that much of a great coach either, dog. He fucking sucks. Dude. He was fucking, yeah. he was fucking being racist towards his own players. That's my guy, but come on, man. Yeah, what are we like, doing? Sheesh, man. The list goes on. The list yeah. goes on. You're right. It's gonna be like this no name player from our era. That's gonna be like this amazing coach. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Sorry. All right. No, you're good. All right, so we have a new segment. It's a very short segment, but I think it just bring out a good talk, a good, I don't know, like topic. So it's just a question of the day. Every now and again, maybe every every podcast will have a question of the day. It could be random. It could be related to um, our topics. It could be related to anything. It's just a question of the day. Doesn't is it? It isn't a debate. It's just personal preference, personal choice, whatever. So, our question or my question for you guys today is: Who is your favorite player of all time? Now, it doesn't mean who's the best player of all time. So, you know, it could be Messi or Ronaldo, but it doesn't mean best player, right? It could be some random. So, who is your favorite player of all time? And the reason I ask this is because. Uh, you know, I think over the week, one of the big headlines here in North America is the return of Chicharito to Chivas. Um, really big news, at least coming out of Mexico. And, you know, that's a that's a homegrown talent for Chivas. A lot of 
Chivas fans' favorite player, especially, I'm sure, growing up for those fans. So, yeah, who's your favorite player of all time? So, whoever wants to go, you have it. I mean, I think the answer is pretty simple for me, uh, and it's always going to be this guy, and I'll die on the cliff <laughs> arguing that he's the greatest of all time. I, I'll fight anybody. Just, just form a line one, one by one, man. Let me take you on. Uh, but Cristiano Ronaldo, man, that, that's my that, that's the greatest. That's my favorite player. And I think I, I was I mean, now that you bring up the question you just brought up over the weekend, uh, I, I got really sad because I was watching. Um, actually, no, I take that back. I got dogged by the Cristiano Ronaldo team of the year card. Um, <laughs> and. I realized that I, in my lifetime, and I've been a Ronaldo fan since like 2005, I, I aged myself there, but I've only gotten to see Ronaldo play once. Mm-hmm. And that was in San Francisco at the Candlestick uh, against America in a in a 3-2 game, my other favorite team, where Ronaldo scored the winning free kick. And that, that's all I hold. And it's like every time like I think about it, like that. I hold that memory like close to me because that's the only time I, I've gotten to see Ronaldo play a lot. But that's my guy. That's my big guy. I, dude, I, I talking about coaches though. I, <laughs> I have a feeling my guy is gonna want to become a coach, and he's gonna do horrible. <laughs> I'm just gonna just throw that out there. That's my guy too, but. Uh, I could definitely see him like wanting to be a coach and it not going well. Sheesh. Yeah. You know, cause he's one of those players that like shit just kind of, he's just like, just work hard. And it's just like, sometimes you need more, more than, more than that. You know, I mean, he happened to work really hard, but uh, in the chat, we're here and we're seeing Riquelme, you know, from, from Pupusa Papi, but Ronaldo. Okay. I would say I would say for me it's gonna be uh my favorite player is Kaka. Uh I mean I have my email from fucking ages ago. It's still Kaka eleven AC Milan. Still <laughs> use that baby. I had two of those dogs, Hotmail and Yahoo. That was my guy. The long sleeve, tucked in shirt, black boots, black black shoes, and he was ready to go. But in AC Milan, that AC Milan team was like my favorite team. I used to have like a FIFA 05, good memories. Um, but Kaká, one of the things that I really appreciated about Kaká is was like I, I was never really like a player that was like when I used to play back in the day. Um, I I really kind of I had like a interesting relationship with football because it felt like I didn't really like. Uh, I was forced to play really young, you know, like I started playing at four. So by the time I was like 14, 13, I started really disliking football. And 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 Kaká was this player to me that was, it's not that he wasn't competitive because I'm sure that he was, but one of the things that always stood out to me was that if a player was down or if he potentially hurt somebody, like he would go and he would make sure that they're okay. And, and that always like, that always like resonated with me because when I played, I feel like I always got told like, no, pegale duro, you know, like fucking entrale duro, let them know that you're there and blah, 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 blah. And I just wasn't like that. You know what I'm saying? Like I was not a player that I'm, I'm not trying to hurt you. Like I know I'm not going to win the world cup. That's not to say that I'm not competitive, but it's competitive in other ways. Like I don't need to uh, play dirty 
to do that. And it was always really interesting because, you know, that AC Milan team had Gattuso, right, which is arguably notoriously one of the dirtiest players ever to play. So I'm sure that that helped too, right, to have like kind of Ambrosini and Gattuso, these kind of dogs in there with them. But but Kaká, like, he, he, uh, he wasn't super flashy, but when he got in that stride and he got he got to that like point where he was just like at the top of the world like i was i was just like man i want to be like this dude like i never wanted to wear adidas shoes but i i did want to emulate him because that's the position i played too i played cam and he and he always like kind of put a template out there for me and he was always like uh a player that want like he could pass and then he also could score goals so i i that to me was like the person that I looked up to growing up, and and I still look up to him. I still think he's he's a he's a great person, and and he seems uh, to 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 want to keep a really. I think he would also be a great coach. I I personally think he would be a great coach, but he he doesn't he hasn't made that turn yet. I'm wondering when he would make that turn. But hey, if if Brazil needs a new coach, maybe it's him. Well, uh, well. Thank you guys for sharing that. Um, and just just uh, for me, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I could say Cristiano Ronaldo the same way. I mean, I, I think a lot of people wanted to be Ronaldo. A lot of people wanted to wear the shoes. A lot of people wanted to wear the seven. I'd argue he'd made, he made the seven popular. Um, and everybody wanted to wear seven. But, and, but I honestly, I don't know if I have like a favorite, favorite player apart from him. I mean, I'm only going to turn 21 this year, you know, so I'm not in that era where, you know, Kaká played, Ronaldinho played, uh, Eto, Rooney, you know, all these legends that we know now. I mean, I could I could give you a list of Pumas players, but then we'd be here every day and um, I don't think anybody would know about them. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think. If I had to say one, it's probably like Gio dos Santos. I think. Uh, I mean, I think I remember as a kid having that shirt. Like he was wearing seventeen with the black and gold shirt. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just liked how he played. I thought he was cool. You know, it's, it's a weird thing to say, but I could resonate him because he was brown and I was brown, and you know, it was <laughs> interesting to say. It, it's, it's just good to see a brown player like succeeding right he was a good player and it's it's sad to see his career dwindle down um really after Villarreal I would say and he's never been the same player ever since and I mean yeah but I just thought he was really a really cool player a really flashy player you know who can forget the goal he scored against USA in the gold cup and yeah but apart from that yeah just a bunch of Pumas players I really like that I really enjoyed watching uh, growing up with my dad, watching the games on Sunday at ten in the morning. So, yeah. And I still, I still have yet to see in my teen adulthood Pumas win a title. So that's also kind of crazy. Jeez, man, this guy's just got me sad, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh that's, man, that's this, guy, I mean, this guy can name all these Puma players, and I'm like, I have never heard of these people ever in my life. <laughs> but I think that just comes to show, like, when I when I was growing up, I think my dad always like had the games on on Sundays, and of course I'd watch them. And I mean, I was a Pumas fan thanks to him. So 
it's just like i know a lot of these players i remember a lot of these players like i can literally bring you the most random name and be like this guy played like five games for us and he scored one goal and he sucked because <laughs> he was always injured or something um but yeah i just always resonate myself with pumas i think especially because that's most of the soccer i watched all the time so. and still watch to this day Damn, dude, it must suck to be a Pumas fan because of your dad. Yeah. Go like, oh, wait, <laughs> your dad's my dad, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, but I mean, you know, I feel like the the one thing, and I'll just keep it short. So, the one thing that I think you bring up, Irving, and it's like you you are aging us the more you talk um, throughout this pod, <laughs> throughout this episode. <laughs> But but you might you might you, you do bring up a thing and you might be right. Where it's like I feel like the generation today isn't really growing with like a hero or with like a guy. They just like I don't think one guy has like truly stand out. Like and it's like I don't I don't feel like it was like that back then. Like I feel like you know like the Kaka's like you wanted to be Kaka. You know you wanted to wear the Addy Pierce. You wanted to be Ronaldo. You wanted to wear the the vapors. Um, but yeah, I just feel like I mean, there's Mbappe, there's Haaland. I mean, Bellingham's kind of making a name right now. But yeah, I feel like if you if you asked uh, if we went around and we asked like people like our age, like who's your favorite player, I feel like they they may just have a connection like right away. And it's like, and if you ask like a younger guy or like a younger person, they might just kind of like kind of like glitch because they don't know like who to name kind of thing. But. It might just you be might, you, you might be underestimating him, Mbappe, though. No, I mean, no, I, ha- I have a I have a ten year old that I'm like I have in my mind right now, and all he thinks about is Neymar and Mbappe, and he's like, "That's those are my guys." Nah, I forgot about Neymar in there too. You're right, but I feel and I feel like it, I mean it could be it might just be one of those like experiments where like asking an older generation who their favorite player is, how long it takes for them to like, you know, throw a name out, and asking like a younger generation and see like. What, where we compare um but anyways uh we're gonna move on uh we're gonna move on to our another new segment that we have um for this season um and it's just we'll call this an open-ended discussion we'll call this a debate um who knows how feisty we might get throughout the season depending on the question uh who knows if what will end up you know just all agreeing or all having a different opinion um, but for the debate to start off this week, and because we're on this coaching uh, train, um, the debate for this week, the question for all of us this week is to you guys, to the to the people watching, to anyone, who is the greatest coach of all time? That's a very open-ended question, guys, but... I think we could we could we could all chip away, and and I think if 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 we're asking who the greatest coach of all time is, I think we can also ask as a sub question, what makes him the greatest coach, or what makes a coach a good coach? Is it accolades, titles, or is it just the fact that you know we grew up watching this person and he's now doing okay in his like afterlife from. The post, the post, the, the after afterlife hang, hanging on the cleats. Um, so I'll open, I'll open the discussion for you guys to just kind of go at it and 
give me a name and or tell me why. Oh, sheesh, Carlos de los Col. God damn. <laughs> on that note <laughs> uh but no guys feel free to jump in and take the mic away from me so so when i think about this question i mean i think it's really easy to go into accolades and how many trophies they won and and you know i'm sure you could we can name pep and all this other shit but when i think about greatest coach i'm thinking about players that, i mean coaches that revolutionized the sport made the game change and made the game uh, and then, and then on top of that, they then created a branch out of that coaching style. So for me, for me, the greatest coach of all time for me is a local Bielsa. I mentioned the man before, but come on, man. I remember looking at the athletic Bilbao team and I'm like, dude, how is he making Fucking this Spanish team under uh, uh, under Herrera, fucking uh, what the fuck's those center back or the he was a center defensive mid at that. I uh, have Martinez, that was my Jeez. guy. El, el fucking Leon Llorente, like he, and he's still true to his style. That's one of the things that I love about Bielsa, and they call him loco for a reason because he's all guns out, blazing all the time. Leeds was like all attack, no defense. But it 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 just it changed it to me. I think he changed, and, and I think he 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 changed the thought of where players should be, how it should be played. And Pep Guardiola talks about it all the time as his mentor. Um, other coaches have learned from Loco Bielsa. So when I think about the greatest coach, is how do they pass that stuff down? And, and that's one thing that I haven't seen. And maybe this is because I'm kind of young in, in, in this regard, right? In, in regards to having enough time to see coaches develop, what is their effect? Like, will Pep Guardiola lead the next? And maybe Arteta is like the next like iteration of Guardiola. But like, I'm thinking about like, like even Jose Mourinho. I love Jose Mourinho, not necessarily because of the way he plays or the way he has his teams play, but I just love the way that he is with his teams. Like he's all about like, you're going to fucking die on this pitch for me. And I think Loco Bielsa has a sense of that. Uh, but what I what I think is different about Loco Bielsa is that he he may not have the accolades, but he's able to. Uh, affect other coaches in the way that they think. So to me, that's that's the greatest coach. I mean, I was not expecting that. Answer. Oh, man, can I say Hugo Sanchez? Is Hugo Sanchez a good a good coach? That is another guy, current <laughs> coach that. Hey, you know, you know, okay, you know, besides, apart from the joke, you know, he's probably arguably one of the best coaches to ever coach Pumas. You know, he he was the first coach ever to win back-to-back titles in Liga MX. He beat Real Madrid in the Santiago Bernabeu. He won the Champions Cup that year. I mean, yeah, he, he was he's arguably one of the greatest coaches for Pumas. Anyways, to me, I mean, in recent times, you know, for me, I think I'd say to me, it's a toss up between Alex Ferguson and Carlo Ancelotti to me, because 
but I'm more leaning to Carlo Ancelotti just because I've seen him. I remember him ever since he came to Real Madrid the first the first time he was there. Um, I just think he's a great coach. I mean, he's won Champions League with Real Madrid. He just coached a really good Real Madrid team again, which maybe is something not good. Um, he's won leagues with them, Champions Leagues. And I think the thing that, to me, why he's one of the greatest coach and is just the fact that he went to Everton and made that team <laughs> a top six team in the Premier League while he was there, which is just crazy. I mean, Everton has not been relevant in like over like, I don't know, maybe since Lukaku left, maybe before that. The last time they've been, I can't remember the last time they've been to Europe. As long as I've been a fan, they've never been to any European any European competition. And as long as I've known them, they've just been a mid-table team. And I still really enjoy watching them play. And I still would say I'm a fan. But the fact that someone like Carlo Ancelotti, who has won Champions Leagues upon Champions Leagues, won leagues in every single country he's coached, he went to a team, a mid-table team, and turned that team around. He signed. He signed his key. His marquee signing was like a 33-year-old James Rodriguez, and he turned him back to like the 2014 uh, World Cup James Rodriguez. And that team was that team was firing in all cylinders. And sadly, I feel like I feel like it, it just Everton just wasn't paying him enough. To be honest, it's just I don't know how that happened. I don't know how a team like Everton ended up with someone like Carlo Ancelotti. But I mean, I know in recent news, like I think it was like last year, um, it came out that Ancelotti was suing Everton because they didn't pay him in full. They only paid him half. So, I mean, I think that tells one part of it and why he he left to go back to Real Madrid. And I mean, now with Real Madrid, he's been their marquee coach ever since he then left. And he's done well. I mean, I think I know last year's was it last year the year before last year so when Real Madrid won the Champions League when they went on that crazy run when they beat teams like Manchester City PSG like a lot of it people talk about is luck but to have a guy like Ancelotti on your bench as your coach still motivating you and just tell like I'm sure it's just his telling his players like you know it's not over like building that energy in that locker room I think it's just it's something you can't really like teach, you know, it's something he just, he has, it's, he's able to lift his team up. And, you know, over the past years, now that Ancelotti has been the coach, you see all the comebacks Real Madrid has, you know, all the great, you know, comebacks that have happened over the past couple of years for Real Madrid. And I mean, now he's coaching a great, uh, a team, not the best Real Madrid team in recent times, but he's, he still has a great team. And to me, I, I just, I just enjoy watching his football and, you know, it's still crazy to me that he was at Everton for like six months. So, oh man, well, should have paid him, he probably would have stayed longer. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I feel like I, I would have to, I would have to second you if I had to choose a coach or if I, you know, who's the greatest coach of all time, the greatest coach I've seen. Um, I, I would have to argue that that it would be uh, Carletto as well. Um, and then I think this was kind of like tying it up to to what we were talking about earlier about Klopp. You know, Carletto is also another player coach. It's another coach that the players want. And it's like sometimes it happens like the players want that coach because that player lets them do whatever they want. And they can just like, you know, it leads to like indiscipline. It leads to like bad results and stuff. But I think with Carletto, like that, 
that aura that he holds, you know, as a coach, wherever he's been, whether it's been Everton, you know, Bayern, PSG, Chelsea, um, Real Madrid, like he's always had that aura that it's like, yeah, you know, like you're, he has like a boundary, like you can do what you want, but you know what, you know, you have to respect who you play for. You have to respect, you know, the, the badge and, and that just kind of speaks highly of, of a player who, um, or of a coach like Carleto, who was also a really great player. I think when when he uh, when he grew up, or like the you know from what we know when he played at Milan. Um, so yeah, I think if it came down to it, like I, I would make an, a case, an argument that I would that I would live with that Carleto is you know the greatest coach that my eyes have seen. Uh, and, and and maybe we are like thinking of that. I mean, I'm thinking accolades too, like you know being successful here and there. Um, he might not have that, you know, like he might not have a school of coaches coming under him. Um, but he's his own style that I maybe in a way like it might just not be able to be replicated by anybody else because he's just unique in its own way. And you're just not going to be able to compare or find a, a new Carleto uh, down the road. So. So so if I may, ju- yeah, boo. Yeah, thanks, dude. <laughs> Well, both of you are an, an Ancelotti train. I mean, and I gotta say, I I, I love Ancelotti because of the way that that he uh, he coached that AC Milan team. That I'm like, that's my favorite team of all time, that Kaká team. So I know that he played a pivotal role in that. But but what's his style and what's his influence? Like when I think about a coach, like I'm thinking about influence, not just accolades. And and yeah, you can get James Rodriguez, but. But I don't know. Like I'm thinking about like what's his style. Like when if you had to describe to a child or to a kid, like what what is Ancelotti's style? I don't know. I don't know if I can have the words to describe that. And at least to me, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't. I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But I know that I have. I know I can tell a child Bielsa's style and the coaches that have come under him and have become successful under him. I can't name one coach that's been successful under, and I'm sure that, I mean, I don't know that he's not, he's not in the business of coaching other coaches. I know that, but what is his influence? When I think about the greatest coach, I'm thinking about influence, not just personal achievement, but I'm thinking about what has he done for the sport? So I'm I'm throwing it to y'all. I feel like when, when you, when you talk, I feel like to me, it's more like, I think now like it's a now that you bring up the Milan squad that he coached, it's a it's a longevity issue too. Like his style might be that he's just versatile. He doesn't have he doesn't fall in love with just one style. Cause if we go back to like the Chelsea team that he coached or the the AC Milan, you know, it's like that or was a PSG. Or PSG in between, but it's like the AC Milan was a four four two that did not have fast players. You know, and it's just, it was just like all guts, all like, you know, garra, and it's like we all, we, you know, all for one kind of thing. Um, and then now, like the Madrid that he like has now with like a 4 3 3, like he's just, he can adapt, I think, his play style just to match the players that he has. Like, shit, today in the morning, like, you know, who has more goals than Lewandowski this season? Jose Lu, man. And you know who's making Jose Lu a star right now? No. Carleto. He doesn't, he doesn't make Carleto. stars. That's the thing, though. He doesn't make stars. What are Carleto. 
What are you talking about? Um, what star has no. he made? I mean, I think that's the thing. He hasn't made any stars. He he's come into teams that already have stars. Yes, but I feel like are we? But ju- but, the, but then can't you argue that he's a coach that works well with stars in the locker yeah, room? Yeah, he's a coach, right? That, like that he came to a, a Real Madrid that had Ronaldo, had Benzema, had Bale, he had Cruz, he had Mo- I mean, an insane team, really. And he he, we all know the 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 hard headed mind that Ronaldo is, and he just came in and he did his thing. You know, he he coached Ronaldo. I'm sure Ronaldo can speak, you know, if you're ever hearing this, Ronaldo. But, you know, he he just can coach under these circumstances. I think he coached under every single circumstance possible. Look at that AC Milan team he coached. It was just full of stars. It's a great team now that we look back at it. And we, we know and we've seen time and time again that there's coaches that don't work well under that, you know, kind of like having that ego in the locker room having that person those personalities in the locker room look at the chelsea team he coached there's definitely big egos you can point out there and he he won the title he won the league with them yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean i can see that i mean i can see that he can work well with with players and i think that that's also a skill you know i think that that's a skill that not every every coach has and i think he sees them i think to me but i just think when i think about the the greatest coach of all time i i i maybe this is just my own perception and i think it is is i'm thinking about the influence far beyond that cool you can get along with with players and because i'm even thinking about if club is not if club is not like careful he could also fall into that same like thing too where players just really love him and and uh but then again, you know, I don't know what I don't know if Club's going to go down as one of the greatest coaches, and and Ancelotti I know is going to go down as one of the greatest coaches. But I also think that he's also had high profile places to go to. So there's there's that part of it too, and maybe I just really like the underdog, and maybe that's why I'm going with Bielsa. But I don't know. But I also like Mourinho, which is like you know I think he also takes on different challenges, and 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 I feel like. Ancelotti is not that he doesn't take those challenges, but I feel like they're far in between, you know. It's like I'll, I'll ride the the train with with Ancelotti. I'm just gonna like ride the versatile train and the longevity train, where the fact that he has through his eyes, just as a coach, he has seen the world of football change. And if there's a reason that the big clubs still want him now, or like that he just falls himself minus Everton um, that he falls himself, you know, still, you know, at a PSG at a Bayern is because he's been able to adapt as a coach. Like he has not stopped learning. And I think like every, you know, the more football goes, who knows how long, you know, he'll be a coach, but he's been able to adapt and adjust to the modern day player, which I feel like it's something that, you know, we might be seeing it with Xavi right now where it's like, he wants, he has a tiki-taka philosophy, but he doesn't, there's no more players, at least that he has, that can actually play the way he wants to play. You know, and it's like, and um, vice versa, like, you know, it's like, well, there you have Ancelotti, you know, just wanting, like, all right, now we play speed, okay, then let me throw him speed, you know, and he's just been able to adapt to, to, the, to the football, and he's seen football change through his eyes, and I think 
longevity and titles kind of mean that or like speak that he's been able to to adjust to that because if he didn't we wouldn't be talking about Ancelotti right now or we wouldn't be talking about him just signing into another big club and you'd probably be like you know he'd probably still be coaching Everton for all I know um but yeah, maybe there's also the other case too for AC Milan I'm thinking about the AC Milan case too because I, I hear the, I hear the the longevity piece but there's also the other part about the AC Milan team is that he also he also absorbed the Sachi team, and Sachi was a, an amazing coach before him. You know what I'm saying? Like a great coach. So he also absorbed that team. So he's 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 getting the he's he's receiving this this core group of players. You know what I'm saying? That may not be the case with the Ramadri team, but I would argue that Ancelotti is also playing at a time where where football is, is also at a really bad spot. You know what I'm saying? Like the wingers are not where they used to be, and and everybody's trying to be like Pep and trying to understand how Pep plays and the way the teams play. And and of course Ancelotti is able to do it, but I don't know. To me, like I I would argue that the football has also kind of gone down in in regards to to style and in the way that there's more unpredictability. It almost feels like too safe now. So. Uh, I don't know. That's me. That's that's also my own thing. You know, maybe I, I'm not a big Ancelotti hater, but I'm also like thinking about in perspective. Ancelotti did overtake this Real Madrid team where I can't name a team that could really battle against this crazy ass team that he had. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, I mean. Ooh. Do we add? Some, I mean, Irving, do you have something? I mean, else? I, 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 yeah. I mean, I just, I'm just saying, like, okay, like they did, you know, Ancelotti did come to a Real Madrid team that was insane and had Ronaldo at his prime, but I mean, he just did Bale win a Champions. He did just win a Champions League with no Ronaldo, no Bale, aging midfielders like Modric and Cruz, and I mean. <laughs> I, I would I would say that you can even see like someone like Vinicius, Vinicius thriving under the Ancelotti system. <clears throat> He's becoming a star of the game. Whether I, I mean, is he one of the best players in the world? I think so. He's probably one of the best wingers in the world. Um, look at Fede Valverde. Fede Valverde under Ancelotti has become one of the best midfielders in in the world. One of the best attacking midfielders in the world. I mean, the fact that he's coaching a team that still has Carvajal as its right back and it's kind of working is kind of crazy to me. And he's now evolving a new generation with Chuameni and Camavinga and um, Enrique when he comes in, you know, uh, Rodrigo now that he's there. And I think Rodrigo's a really good player. Um, I just think, you know, it shows that no matter no matter what team he gets, he can always just adapt to it and always just play his his way you know which i think is just having great midfielders you know if you look at the midfielders he's had in each team he's like to reinforce the midfield and like you know having that midfield to kind of pivot off of to have his attacking offense go so i don't that, that's just my opinion i mean i yeah and i don't know if i i might be wrong but was sidan not ancelotti's assistant the first time around in ancelotti's yep so and Sidan took over, and Sidan won three consecutive Champions League titles. And I mean, he—I'd he, argue he—he he was a really good coach when he was there, and he hasn't coached since, so we don't know 
if he could do it somewhere else with a different team. Because, again, that Real Madrid team was insane. But just something to think about. Um, well, you know what? Let, let's we'll, we'll we'll leave this question for, for the chat, for the Instagram, for the for the the TikTok. Um, wh- who is the best, the greatest coach of all time? What do you think qualifies somebody as the greatest coach, or what what makes that person become a great coach? What separates, you know, the Shabis from the Klops, or you know? the Guardiolas from the Artetas and so on. So we, we can leave this up to discussion and we can go on forever. Um, but, but we should we should get wrapping up today um, and, and jump into our, our final segment, um, which is as per usual, um, our, our Quiniela. Um, I think it, we, we really enjoyed this last week. I mean, last season and bringing it back. Uh, I think we enjoyed the, the, the off the air discussions that we have in texting and, you know, on these games. Uh, so we're going to keep it going. Uh, Sam, if you're listening, uh, feel free to share out your picks. Um, and we're, we're just going to get going right away uh, to the first game we have, uh, which is uh, Everton versus Tottenham at Goodison Park. Um, how are we feeling? Tottenham. Uh, Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Irving. Yeah, Tottenham, sadly. Oh, they don't have Sun. He's still playing in the AFCON. But, or not the AFCON, the, the Asian Cup. Sorry. Sam, if you can hear, either Everton or Tottenham. Um, second game, uh, it's a rematch of, I think, a game we've already seen a couple of times in the past three weeks. Uh, Real Madrid versus Atletico Madrid. Uh, this time, the game's going to be played at the Bernabeu. Um, start from the bottom, Irving. Uh, Real Madrid. Real Madrid. And of course, the team ran by the greatest coach of all time. Um, <laughs> Real Madrid. <Yeah. laughs> uh, all right, third game. Uh, we have uh, a battle of, of giants um, at the Azteca Stadium. We have uh, Club America versus uh, a team now led by Brandon Vasquez, uh, Monterrey. Ariel? Uh, remind me, Monterrey's playing against who? America. Oof. Uh, I'm going to go with America. Um, hold on, hold on. Let me see. Let me see. Hmm. I'm gonna go Monterrey. <laughs> hey, they didn't look good against the Caxa. Um, all right, so we get the fourth game of this week. Uh, it's Aceta Alpman versus uh, Santiago Jimenez Feyenoord at Aceta Alpman's uh, home stadium. Like the Everdees kind of hitting, uh, heating up. So these are, I think, fourth and fifth and third place, I believe. Um, see somebody looking at their screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, see two people looking at their screen. Yeah. 
Mm. <laughs> so it's between uh, who? Feyenoord and... and uh, Almar. Yeah. Uh, I won't go with Feyenoord. We're doing the Sunday one, right? Because they're playing twice. Yes, the one that's on February 3rd, I believe. Fourth. Fourth. Uh, Feyenoord. We'll go with the tie for this week. Um, fifth game, I think this is probably uh, the best game that we have for this week. Um, it's Arsenal versus... Oh. oh, what? Uh, Arsenal versus Liverpool at the Emirates Stadium. Arteta versus Globe, one last time. Who you got, Irving? Oh, me? Wait, where are they playing? Emirates. They just lost. I'm going to go with Arsenal. Yeah, I'm going to go with Arsenal. Uh, well, I'll go with Liverpool. <clears throat> Leave the hot hand on Ariel. I'm going with Arsenal. Damn, guys. I thought that'd be the club one last time. That's right. Yee. Let them know. So. <laughs> Let them know. Send, send them packing. Uh, for the sixth game of the week, uh, it's going to be Inter Milan against Juventus. Uh, another close battle for the Serie A Scudetto. Uh, first and second place. Uh, this is being played at the San Siro. Mm. Ariel? Uh, say it again. Inter Milan versus Juventus at the San Siro. Mm. Uh, I'll go with Inter. Irving? Uh, this is a tie. And I'll go with Inter. Lautaro's firing. That's crazy. <laughs> they only have 10 goals scored against them. That's nuts. <laughs> um, seventh game. Um, Tigres versus Pumas at Tigres's uh, Estadio Universitario. That's easy. That's right, Tigres. That's easy, huh? I'm guessing we're all going Tigres here. I'm gonna go with no. Tigres. Yeah. Irving? I'm going Pumas. This is La Revancha. Um, and for the final game, uh, we have Ajax versus PSV at the Johan Cruyff Arena. It's funny because we had this game last season uh, around October. And around this time, Ajax was like second to last place. Yeah. And they they've... They've been able to pull it together, and at least they're not in the relegation zone anymore. So, what do you guys feel? Uh, PSV. All right, fuck, fuck Ajax, dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, they're done. Good for them, but no. <laughs> All right, PSV. Uh, PSV just gets trickies there. That's my pick. 
Uh, that's how you. That's how you start losing, man. <laughs> yeah. That's how you start losing right there. Well, we all went PSV, so it won't come down to this game. That's for sure. There'll be other games. I mean, I think there's I mean, three games. There's three, four games in there that that can make or break. I mean, the Ajax is <clears throat> and PSV is first, but the point differential is it's crazy. crazy. Yeah, mm, crazy. crazy. Um, well, being fifth is better than not being seventeenth. Ah. Uh, Anyways, uh, those are our Kiniela picks for the week. Um, we'll, we'll check in with Sam offline, make sure we lock in his picks before the game start. Uh, other than that, boys, do we have any final thoughts? Do we have anything else to say before we wrap it up for this week? No. Um, thank you for listening. Thank, thank you for, for listening. listening. Continue. Let us know who's your favorite player of all time. Let us know who's the greatest coach of all time. And let us know what you think about. Xavi and Klopp leaving their respective clubs. And I believe that the next time we'll see each other will be two weeks from now. That's correct. So till then, boys, we'll just wrap it up for today. It was nice seeing you guys again. It's nice being back with you guys. And here's to another great season of just talking about football. That's right.